Welcome back to the Betsburts Golf DFS show here at none other than BetsburtsGolf.com. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. No Ron Kloss today, who's down for the count with illness. No Byron Lindicue today, who is on vacation in Hawaii. He also took this week off, as we'll get to like many golfers ahead <laughs> of the Honda Classic. So I reached into my bag of friends and I invite someone who is not only Friendly enough to take the time away from prospects as he's working on that behind the scenes for NFL, but also who dabbles in golf DFS and betting. And that is none other than good friend, Jared Smola of draft jarks. Jared, how's it going? It's good. Awesome to be on. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a football guy who dabbles in golf in the off season, but I love it. And you know, not that there's much crossover between the two, the two sports, but I think handicapping them, I think there's some crossover and you got to kind of, kind of know, the correct stuff to, to look at. There's a lot of noise in both football and golf. And I think pinpointing that the right stuff to look at is, it's kind of the key to, to, to me at least. And DFS is still a board game for adults with lots of money on the line. So we are still just like NFL DFS putting together a puzzle, trying to figure out the correct pieces, which don't fit, understanding what the field is doing and thus the leverage needed off of it. So it's honestly somewhat the same game we're talking about, which is why I'm excited to hear your analysis on PGA DFS in general as we move along here. Yeah, I mean, we know ownership matters in all DFS sports. I think it might be most important in golf just because it's such a volatile event from from week to week. And this week, especially <laughs> with a, with a bad field at this course where you see a lot of carnage, you can, it can be one bad shot that takes you out of a tournament. So to me, um, this week, especially ownership is something I think you, you really want to key in on. And we'll discuss that as we move along, because as we already hinted at the Honda classic this week at PGA national features only eight of the top 50 players in the official world golf rankings. As many are just taking the week off to rest ahead of next week's Arnold Palmer invitational. And so we do have a much weaker field than usual out this weekend. 26 actual Wazer hazards across 15 different holes as well, including eight holes that require approach shots to cross a water hazard. Uh, As Ron Kloss noted in his course preview up on BetsBurstGolf.com, over the past five years, the field here has averaged 2.4 double bogeys or worse per 72 holes, per four rounds, which ranks as the most on any course on tour. So this tells you the accuracy and precision needed, especially for long ball striking. The average approach shot here at the PGA National comes from 170 yards out. So making correct and precise contact with your long irons on approach shots is something we will definitely be looking into when building lineups. What else stands out to you, though, Jared, whenever you began building lineups? What metrics are you weighing for PGA National course? Yeah, I mean, definitely fairways gained and, and greens and regulation, as you mentioned, just keeping the ball on grass and out of the water is huge here. Um, the, the big thing for me this week, though, is, you know, we're going from the West Coast, a lot of POA greens to Florida, Bermuda greens. And you see certain guys with, you know, massive discrepancies in terms of how well they put on POA versus how well they put on Bermuda. So that's definitely something to look at. You know, if, if a guy has putted poorly for the past month, I, I don't really care because these greens are so much different than, you know, we've been on for the past month or two. Especially when we get into the dumpster diving 6K range, I think it's another week where we have to sacrifice something when paying down for those guys. But given how weak the field is, I would imagine ownership may be spread out across the 7K, 6K range, because as we start at the top here, there are only two golfers on DraftKings priced in the five digits, and that is Sung J.M. and Shane Lowry. 
right now, an educated guess would be both of them coming in anywhere from 25 to 30%, if not higher, given how weak the field is, given their outright projections, Lowry and M in particular, over the rest of the field. And so I think everyone's going to start with at least one of them in their lineups. Uh, yeah. It is very tough to fit both, but you can do that if you're just ignoring the 9K range overall. What are your overall thoughts here at the top two golfers? Are these one of these two, are you willing to fade or are you going all in as well at the top? So to me, Sanjay is clearly the best player in this yeah. field. It's kind of a tear down even to Lowry to me. Um, Sanjay is also best on Bermuda greens. He's, you know, he, he's won this tournament. He had awesome course history here until last year when he missed the cut, which is just kind of a reminder of how volatile this event could be. Um, I, I don't like taking anyone at 25 to 30% ownership at this course, but if I'm taking one of these top guys, it, it's definitely Sanjay. I think if Lowry's going to be that level of ownership, he, he's going to be a fade for me because I, I think he belongs, you know, closer to the to the mid nine, maybe high nine range. I think Sanjay, again, is kind of the, the cream of the crop of this field. It's also somewhat annoying that Lowry was low eight Ks last week and he was a popular play despite poor recent performances because yeah. of his course history at Riviera, which is a very sticky course. We talked about it in the DFS show last week, but now we have Lowry moving up to 10Ks, not for anything he accomplished, but but just because of the the weakness of the field. And so that tells me it's not really a situation, honestly, where I'm interested in chasing him, especially because yeah. those past poor performances, maybe that's what reared their head all of a sudden at a completely different course than Riviera, especially in terms of accuracy off the tee. Uh, I don't mind starting with him, but also if that gets me to sacrifice, that forces me, forces my hand to sacrifice the 9k range that's something i don't want to do when building because i love yeah. this 9k range and i think there are a lot of different ranges to go and so that's why honestly like if you ask me to pick one yes m would be my preferred favorite like you but I, but honestly i'm willing to just fade 10k the two guys all together yeah. and start builds elsewhere yeah, in a different course, I'd be worried about fading Sungjae. But again, mm -hmm. here, like, if he, if he makes two bad shots on Thursday, like, he, he could be missing the cut. Um, so just because of that ownership, I, I think he's he's a fine fade. And unfortunately, his outright market, it's so heavily priced that yeah. it's not even worth betting on that either. Uh, somewhere else, though, I went and looked in the outright market. As we start in the 9Ks, I definitely don't mind starting lineups if I'm skipping M and Lowry with Chris Kirk. Uh, I want to say Christian Kirk as we have you on, but no, with Chris Kirk as he leads the entire field, this entire field, and total strokes gained over the last month. So if I jump on a 9 9 guy, um, especially given how we expect ownership to shake out for Billy Horschel right underneath him, then Chris Kirk is definitely somewhere I don't mind starting. I know both. Ryan Noonan and Ron had Aaron Wise at 9,200 also written up in their outright bet articles. But do you have a gauge right now on Aaron Wise's ownership? Because I think there are pivot options if we think he becomes in heavily rostered. I just really don't have a good guess right now on Wednesday afternoon. Either do I. He's a, I, I, I bet Aaron Wise at uh, mm -hmm. 28 to 1. Like, long term, I, I call him the third best player in this field behind Sung Jae and Lowry. Now, Wise's current form is, is not very good. Um, you know, it, it's funny. He used to be such a good ball striker and, and a horrible putter. He's actually figured out how to putt, it looks like, but the ball striking hasn't been that great over the last month or two. Um, he does have a pretty good course history here. He's generally good on coastal courses. 
Um, so, I, you know, in the outright betting market, I'm willing to just take the shot that he, you know, I, I think if he brings his A game, again, he has a good chance to, to win this tournament. In DFS, because of the poor recent form, if he's going to be, you know, 15, 20% on, which I think is possible, I, I, I think he's a good fade. Interesting. And if you do fade him, I will say I will be overweight on Matt Kuchar, whether that be a pivot from Wise or just rostering him everywhere in single mm-hmm. entries, three maxes in general. Uh, Kuchar not only is the golfer, the lone golfer on tour, scrambling for par or better at a 74% clip this PGA season, but he's also made the cut in three of his last four events, including two T10s. So also terrific recent performance that I want to continue riding here, especially given his uh, terrific play around the green. Scrambling is going to be very important this weekend, given how low the the average GIR rate is at this course. So yeah, I want to be overweight on Kuchar. What about you being overweight in the 9K range? Yeah, so Kuchar I like. Um, you mentioned the eighth place finish at Genesis last week, gained five and a half strokes on approach. That was his best approach outing since 2019. So if he can, you know, maintain that level of iron play, it's, a, it's an awesome fit for him here. Um, I kind of like Min Woo Lee, who I think might yeah. go under owned just because we don't see the guy much. He's a Euro tour guy primarily and honestly hasn't had a ton of success on the PGA tour. Although he did make the cut in three of the four majors last season, but on the Euro tour, he, he's been rolling lately. Um, and if you look at the OWGR, I think he's like the sixth best player in this field, according to the world golf ranking. So, I mean, there's, it's it's a gamble because we just we haven't seen him on the PGA Tour often, but um, mm-hmm. I think he, I think he's going to go overlooked uh, because of that fact. Minwoo Lee also stood out for me. Definitely one of two nine K guys I'd be willing to put in my pools um, or like rostering two nine K guys if you skip the five digit range. Yep. Minwoo Lee is very high on my list. Moving on to eight Ks, I think the conversation likely begins with. Johnny Vegas, who coming off injury is playing much better recently. As Noonan also noted in his betting piece, uh, Vegas has gained strokes putting at PGA National uh, on, as you mentioned earlier, his favored Bermuda grass because Bermuda grass is showing like different splits across the board here compared to normal greens. And uh, he's gained strokes on putting in Bermuda grass in three of his past four starts. So just the fact that that, given the fact that He's been in the green on approach and second and strikes gained on approaching seven consecutive starts. Um, I think everything's shaping up for a Vegas outright week potentially. So although he's going to be chalk, I definitely don't mind eating it at 8,600 on DraftKings. What about you in this range? Yeah, I'll be eating the Vegas chalk too. Cause unfortunately I missed the good betting numbers. I think he opened at like 45 to one. He was kind of yeah. quickly bet down to 35 or 30. So I didn't, I didn't end up betting him outright, but I do like him. As you said, the ball trick, he's been awesome. Putting was the only issue last week. He lost, almost seven strokes putting at Genesis, which like we said is POA. These are Bermuda greens. It's his best surface. Um, Vegas has also been good at Honda. He's made the cut in six straight appearances here Has a fourth place on the resume, a sixth place on the resume. So everything kind of matches up for, for Vegas here. I, you know, I think you could, you could make him a uh, $9,300 $9, golfer in this field and it'd be fine. Hmm. So I do think he's a bit underpriced at, at 8,600. Anyone else stand out to you? In this range, uh, I know Taylor po- or Taylor Pendrith is popping in a couple models here. Sepp Straka, of course, last year's winner here. Harris English coming off a terrific performance at the Genesis, a T12. But overall, prior to the the Genesis, especially around the green and putting, had been just 
just piss poor. So I couldn't yeah. get on it last week. But anyone else popping out to you here in the 8K range? So Svensson, Adam Svensson, I think is one of, if not the best ball strikers in this 8K range. Um, the okay. putting is, is always an issue with Adam Svensson, but he showed well here last year, ninth place finish, despite losing four and a half strokes putting, which again is the issue with, with Svensson. But if he can just you know, be a neutral putter, I think he has a chance to win as an 8K guy. And then kind of a flyer, a guy I'm assuming is going to be super low owned is Garrick Higo. Um, I, I just like his upside. Um, he's he's volatile from week to week, from round to round even. But he won at Palmetto um, either last year or two years ago, which you know, is a similar course, I think, similar part of the country. I think Palmetto's in South Carolina. Um, but again, it's just the upside with Higo. Like I think if it, his, his ceiling is higher than most, if not all these other guys in the 8Ks. And oddly enough, Higo at 8K – I think may check in as leverage off of 7,700 Lee Hodges, who I think is going to be one of the more popular golfers, not only in this range, but maybe even top yeah. five, top 10 rostered among the entire field, given his salary and everyone seeing the coming off the fresh T18 at the Genesis around Hodges though. I don't mind playing Hodges, but if he is going to be over rostered, which I'm projecting at least right now on Wednesday, then I have other players. I want to check in. Uh, Aaron Rye is one of them. One of, one of only eight golfers participating in this tournament who has landed in at least 70% of fairways over the last month. And as Ron noted in his course preview, which I always suggest everyone go read to, to get up to date on the course and what matters most uh, accuracy Although the water, as we mentioned earlier, is everywhere, accuracy isn't the end-all be-all. You can still get there by distance, given that the rough at this course is not penal at all. At the same time, uh, on, at least with Rye, like accuracy is not a long driver. Accuracy is important. So I don't mind going on him. And then I'll also be flag-planning, overweight, however you want to call it, on Joseph Bramlett as no golfer in this tournament has recorded a higher GIR than Bramlett over their last five events. So at least the, the approach and play around the green is coming into form at the perfect time. Those are my two favorite plays, though, in the six, seven Ks, though. What about yours? I like Bramlett. Um, to me, Lee Hodges is a pretty easy fade if he's going to be chalk. He had missed five straight cuts prior yep. to last week, and he's a He's a POA guy. He's a positive putter on POA. He's a negative putter on Bermuda. So if he's going to be chalky, I have no issue fading Lee Hodges. I like Ben Griffin, um, who has mm -hmm. pretty consistently gains both off the tee and on approach. And if you look at, you know, he, he hasn't won yet on the PGA Tour or the Corn Ferry Tour, but if you look at some of his better finishes, they're on these coastal Bermuda courses like PGA National. So I think it's a good course fit for Ben Griffin. Um, and then I also like Hayden Buckley in this $77,000 range who, um, you know, popped, was it at Pebble beach? He popped pretty recently. He, he was in the mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, um, I believe it was Pebble or was beach. It, or which was it Amex? The wind. Oh, sorry. Uh, it was neither. It was neither. It was, a it Sony was the waste open. management. Sony open. <laughs> Sony open number two. Yeah. Second at the Sony open. Um, you know, he's gained off the tee and, 15, 20 straight events. He's gained an approach in three of his last four. Um, he's a guy who is a you know pretty good Bermuda putter. So I think Hayden Buckley is worth a shot in this range. Some other players I think are worth mentioning are Danny Willett, Davis Riley, and then 
Charlie Hoffman has been performing well of late. If you can get down there at the low seven Ks, if you need that. And then Russell Knox is one of those guys where you have to sacrifice a little bit because he's been so bad putting and around the green, but um, yeah. his accuracy and approach has been amazing um, over the last three months. So if you just want to take a chance on that and hopefully Bermuda can solve all problems here, cross your fingers. Knox is another guy I've been looking into for large field DFS quite a bit. Yeah, I've lost so much money on Russell Knox because he does always Same. pop in, in the models because the ball striking is so good. But the guy's guy's just a horrible putter week in, week out. Um, I do think Eric Von Royen is a bit underpriced here, maybe in the low sevens. I just think long-term he's a better player than that. Um, comes in off a of 50th at waste management, but he didn't putt too well. That event, the ball striking was pretty good. Came sixth at the American Express, three starts back. Um, doesn't have much success at, at Honda, but again, I just think long-term talent-wise, he's a pretty good value at that price. I don't want EVR because we've seen in two of his last three events now, um, he's gained strokes on approach and off the tee. And the one time you did not do that was the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, as you mentioned earlier, which the wind took out half the field. Like if you just pick the wrong wave, which you don't even pick, if you were in the wrong wave at tea time, like you were screwed from the beginning there. So yep. I don't mind yep. that at all. I, I played him a little bit at under 7K last week, just looking for dumpster diving to fit John Rahman because that was my flag plant last week starting at the top. And so, uh, yeah, I really don't mind going back to him since I would argue his recent performance EVRs has been – Pretty good. As we get into the dumpster diving, though, one that stood out to me was Ryan Moore. Uh, stroke gain on approach in eight consecutive events now and has recorded above average accuracy off the tee compared to the field and every start, every start over the last calendar year. So amazing consistency shown since literally January 23rd of 2022. Um, again, Putting-wise, it's a disaster, but at least he's accurate off the tee and has been good on approach, which seems very important at this course. So I don't mind being overweight on Ryan Moore if looking for values. What about you? Yeah, at this point of the player pool, I'm just kind of trusting my my numbers that, that I yeah. ran for this week, and S Satoshi Kodaira kind of pops for me. Um, he's 6700 bucks. Last time we saw him was at Pebble. He came 29th, gained 5.3 strokes on approach. Um, and he's generally a, a positive approach player, which is kind of all you can ask for at, at this, you know, part of the player pool. So I think he's worth a shot. He seems like a relatively safe bet if you're trying to get down this low. Uh, also, two other people who are popping for me, if you need, if you are looking to get down this low, just on strictly on approach were Chris Stroud, and Zach Blair. Um, but again, those are really dumpster diving. If you're trying to fit two 10K guys or just build differently, those yep. were guys that were strictly popping for me on approach from 150 to 175 yards out. Nothing really else standing out here. Who would you say at the end of this are the two guys you were going to be most overweight on whenever you start building lineups? Um, one is definitely going to be Vegas. And then I think my second is going to be Ben Griffin. Oh, Griffin's such a good one, too, in that range because he's he's leveraged off a lot of guys around him, especially yeah. Hodges. Uh, I will go, as I mentioned earlier, Bramlett and Kucher, I think, are going to be my two favorite plays, and then I can build from there. Uh, do you have any favorite bets that you've already laid for the Honda Classic? Yeah, most of the same guys we've talked about. Again, I bet Aaron Wise at 28-1. to 1. I bet Ben Griffin at 60-1. to 1. I actually got a 110-1 to 1 on EVR. Mm -hmm. Um 
And then I also bet Higo at 60 to one. I just think, again, I think he has that winning upside that not a lot of these other guys. I mean, how many guys in this tournament have actually won a PGA tour event? You know, it's gotta be like less than 20 and, and Higo's one of those. That's why I think Vegas, you know, even though the yeah. markets are shortened, if you can line shop for something around 35, 38 Vegas outright. Yeah, yeah, still good to me. Vegas T20, I think, is the highest floor bet you can make, so I'm on that. And then I, I did stick in some uh, Kucher outrights because I think his number is still fairly good. Uh, anything else anyone needs to know when building lineups for, again, this weak field for DFS? No, just just don't be pissed when you wake up Thursday morning at you know, 8 a.m. and your guy's like six over par already because it's just, it's just you know, one of those events. <laughs> we are luckily as well in Floridian golf, which means that golf starts earlier, which yes. is the best. We don't need to worry about the, the West Coast late start again. Uh, it's like 6.50 a.m. Eastern. Tomorrow. It's the best. You literally yeah, wake so. up and it starts. It is the <laughs> yeah. absolute best. Yeah. Jared, tell everyone where else they can find both your golf and football work. And my golf stuff is, you know, I'll tweet some stuff once in a while at Smola DS. I do do a weekly show on Prime Sports Network. Um, that's mostly a, a betting show if you're into that side of it. And then football wise, ton of stuff on my Twitter at Smola DS. And then DraftSharks.com, like John mentioned at the top here, we are starting to dig into the rookie class. We'll have all those scattering reports, profiles, and their uh, rookie rankings posted before the NFL draft starts. Ryan Noonan's betting piece already on the site. Ron Kloss's DFS model also on the site. He will have the first round leader article and his favorite bets for that up by Wednesday evening. Of course, Ron will be back as well with Byron next week for Arnold Palmer DFS. But until then, thanks, Jared, for joining us. And we will be back next week. Good luck. And remember, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you next time.